Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts, Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. They are two entrepreneurs who speak to other entrepreneurs under the age of 40 so you can learn from their successes and failures along their journeys of building businesses. 40 Under 40 podcast hopes to educate, motivate, and inspire people to pursue their dreams of starting a business regardless of age. And now, here are your hosts, Caitlin and AJ. Welcome back to the 40 Under 40 podcast. How are y'all doing? Yes. How's it going, folks? Caitlin, this is the 11th podcast episode. I'm proud of us, girl. I'm super proud of us. I feel like 11 is a lucky number, you know, like snake eyes. (laughs) Absolutely. So our our guest today is in the construction business. We've had so many different types of entrepreneurs. Yes. Our guest is in the construction business. He's a contracting company. So Caitlin, have you, you bought a house recently? Have you bought, have you hired contractors? I mean, no, because our house was built. Everything was done. Um, However, I will say one thing. My parents have the worst experience with building houses. And I feel like their last contract, am I saying anything that could be publicly tracked, but (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm sure we're fine. I feel like, I do feel like contractors, especially are really hard to find ones that you trust, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's been their issue. But no, I think it's been such an interesting thing to learn more about that because I know nothing about contracting, construction, you know? Well, let's bring on Nick Schiffer. Uh, I'm so excited. About it. I have so many questions. I just feel like, how is it going to fit? So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> All right. So Nick Schiffer, carpenter turned builder, Focus on building incredible homes with incredible people and documenting the journey through the use of social media and podcast platforms. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. So excited. So great to have you. Tell us how you went from Stoughton kid that I grew up with to this amazing builder building luxury homes all over social media. Like, tell us about your journey. Well, first off, thank you. So Really, I, you know, I was always a carpenter. I started doing carpentry when I was a young kid, when I was 11 years old, my dad asked if I wanted to come work with him. I was eager to do it in some ways, looking back, definitely money hungry. Like I wanted to be the kid that could go to the movie theaters and buy the large popcorn and, you know, and buy my friends candy and stuff like that. Um, but I also wanted things. I wanted a four wheeler and I wanted a go-kart. And so I knew I had to work and I, I was never afraid of that. So I worked for my dad um, from the time I was 11 years old to 22 years old. And, wow. you know, I was, you know, working on the weekends, every summer vacation, my, my mom and my siblings would typically spend it down the Cape. I would spend it a lot back home and just, and, and work. I never didn't enjoy it. I was going to work. I was making money. I was getting, I was doing the things that I wanted to do. I felt as though it opened up a lot of opportunities and, you know, kind of my journey into starting my own business. My father owns a fence company and people would come into that fence company all the time and say, you know, do you guys sell sheds? And he was like, no, we don't sell sheds. You can go here and you you can buy them there. And I realized there's a market opportunity here. So I started selling sheds and I was like, Hey, I'll build you a shed. I'll, you know, and I, and I didn't do that many of them, but it became so well known that in high school, I ended up being nicknamed shed boy. Cause that's like on the weekends <laughs> I would, you know, go and build sheds and 
you know, I mean, there was definitely other nicknames, but that's the nicest one I had. Um, nice. And, you know, so I really focused on, you know, starting to do the, something on my own. I was working for my dad, but I also had this opportunity to do stuff on my own. And, you know, kind of the natural progression is like when you're on site building someone a shed, it's like, well, can you do this? Can you replace that? Can you? And it started trickling and it just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, but it was always side work. It was always, you know, something I did on the side. I ended up going to college. Um, my dad kind of, you know, he didn't push me, but he was like, listen, you don't have to go to college. You can, you know, come work for me and, you know, and get right, right out of school. Uh, my mom pushed me to go to college because she really wanted me to explore other opportunities and not just what my dad had to offer. And, you know, people always ask if I regret going to college or would I recommend it? And that's a hard question to answer for me because I don't think the education actually gave me really any advantage in my industry. Um, You know, there, there just wasn't, I didn't have any really key takeaways. What it did offer is it offered me the opportunity to get a job with a developer in Boston. It was the only reason I got that job is because I went to school for construction management. So they were recruiting from the school. You know, fast forward, I had met my wife because of that job. I had, you know, now I have three children because, you know, because I met my wife. Like there was so many things that came out of that that I can't go back and say, no, I wish I didn't go to school because my life wouldn't be where it is today. I'm sure you're also a better speaker and writer and there are other things that college from school. Yeah. No, I I'm I'm telling you, AJ, they're like nothing. That's not what you get out of school. Yeah. I just did like, and and this is a joke with my wife and I, or a, a funny story. I never, I wrote one paper in school and she goes, how do you go all through like four years of college without writing papers? I'm like, I think, I don't know. I just picked the right class. Like literally I, I had to write one paper ever. And you got to share your schedule with uh, I, the rest no. of the college. Everyone's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I write papers every week. And it was, it, it was just, it was very funny, but I did take a public speaking class because I wanted to be better at it. And I knew I was bad. Mm-hmm. And right. side story. I remember the only time I w- got up in front of the class and I was so confident is it was, I actually did it on a, a presentation on energy drinks. And I did, you know, I just wanted to know about them. So I learned about them and I did a presentation and I was so confident about it that because I, I put, I put the work in because I was interested in it, anything else I wasn't interested in. So I did a terrible job. So I graduate, I I graduate college. I get this job with the developer and I go in and it's basically an assistant superintendent role. So, you know, glorified kind of babysitting. We were doing the renovation on these three high rises, downtown Boston, and we had to work within, you know, occupied units. So my job was to represent the, you know, the developer to oversee the work that was going on, you know, going on and, you know, basically document, you know, people's belongings and make sure that they were protected so we can do construction and that the space was delivered back to the way it was when we entered the, the home, you know, pretty basic things. From there, I, 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 get, I got the opportunity to work on a brand new high-rise uh, next door to it, ended up becoming an assistant project manager. And my project manager was out of New York. So I was really the, the lead contact for the job site as an owner rep. And, you know, there's a long story there, but the, sh- the shorter version is that, you know, it was really fun and it was cool to see a high-rise go together and be involved in that. But when we got down to the the finishes, the craftsmanship really lacked. And that drove me nuts. 
And I, you know, I was taking on more and more side work. I've always been doing side work ever since. Uh, and I had, you know, started dating my now wife and I was doing more side work to the point where, you know, there were some weeks I'd work a hundred, 120 hours a week. Wow. And yeah. And it was, you know, and I think back now and it's ridiculous because I remember working, you know, I worked 50, 60 hours at, at this developer. And I remember uh, doing a kitchen renovation at night. And I would drive there, pick up dinner, and I'd work till one in the morning on this project. And, and you were still dating your now wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I tell the story differently than she does. I told I tell everyone <laughs> that she gave me an ultimatum. Like, I'm not going to be with you if you're just going to work. Like, when this. am I going to see you? Yeah. Right. Like, I would drive back to her place because it was closer to work. And I would stay with her. So I'd get there at like two, three in the morning, crawl into bed with her and wake up at five. So, wow. oh my God, that's like no sleep at all. I would. Die. No, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say I, I operate on two hours of sleep. There were definitely days that I'd be falling asleep at my desk or I wasn't doing this every single day, but right. I was doing it enough to be uh, not productive. And so it got to a point where I think I, you know, I just realized that this isn't what I want to do. I want to go start my own company. I want to be a carpenter. I just, that's it. I just want to be a carpenter and uh renovate and build some cool things and i you know i gave my i gave my notice they wanted to know where i was going i told them what i was doing and they basically said nick you know you've done such a great job here if it doesn't work out you can come back whether it's a month a year a couple of years like your job's always here and i was like man nice. now I, I have nothing to lose yeah um, that's so that's such a good like support <laughs> like yeah. i feel like if you if you fail there's always that right yeah <laughs> it was it's a good and backup plan so but they followed up with we will give you i think it worked out to like 30 percent of my salary to stay another month or or, or two months and like was it top, just to like finish on, a project or yeah something? okay yeah and on top of my already like on top of my salary so it was a pretty significant amount of money. And I talked, everyone, everyone I talked to said, take it, you can start your business. You can start your company in two months. Right. And I was just, and I was like, I just, this isn't what I want to do. Wow. Like, so you just, didn't do it. I didn't take, I didn't take it. Good for and, you. And I, I was like, no, I, I want to make that money. I'll go work hard and I'll make that money elsewhere. So it almost like, cause I remember you saying early on, you were really motivated by like the making of the money. But at that point you were like, you know what I want to do what I want to do. Like yeah, it's no and, longer you know, about this. There was more money, money to be made basically. Right. And it's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to come off wrong in the sense that I'm motivated by money. I think I'm motivated by the freedom that comes with, with money. And it's like, even now, you know, I, you know, we, while I run a successful business, I'm also chasing other opportunities because I want, you know, I want freedom. I want, I want to do the things I want to do in life with my children. I want to, you know, mm -hmm. I'd love to have multiple homes. I want to buy a boat for my kids for the lake. Like there's all these things that. Well, and I think anyone who says like, they're not motivated by the money is kind of lying. Cause there is always some aspect of that, like, because it gets you those experiences and it feels like you can do passion projects all day long, but if you're right. not making any money, like it's not livable. <laughs> exactly. And you know, and, but I will say that my, it's not my focus. Like er if I were, if, if my focus was money, I would run my business very differently where I've invited, I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars back into my business for us to be able to grow at the pace that we've grown. So I could have said, screw it. I'll just, uh, we'll be mediocre. Cause if you're mediocre 
you're, you don't care as much and you're going to, you know, you can make more money, you know, and I'm sure I'm, I just triggered someone out there. And so what, but the point, my point is, is that like, I think that the, the, the industry and people in general fall into this, like this mediocrity where it's like, you know, I'm just going to do what I have to do and, and make, you know, and, and keep going where it's, you know, I refuse to, to slip into that, where everything we do has to be, you know, a hundred percent of what uh, we were set out to do. You know, we have to stand back and be truly proud of it. And I can tell you, I can tell you a dozen stories right off the top of my head where, you know, I've stepped back and realized that, Hey, this isn't the way we should have done this to the point where I've ripped out $70,000 kitchens, you know, because it wasn't to, up to our standard. And, you know, and we, and we're talking, that's, that's not, no one pays for that except for me. That was a decision that was, you know, for the better, like at the end of the day, this is about us and believe in believing in what we we've done. And if we can't believe that this is our best, then we need to redo it. And it sets, yeah. and it sets a really, you know, high expectation for the team because, you know, they don't want to have to rip work out. So everyone, you know, everyone totally, has a yeah. mentality of like, you really need to do your best. So on the same topic of what you're talking about, like building seems very complicated. It, how do you manage it all? How do you keep it profitable? Oof, uh, that's a that's a difficult question because I don't think I, I always do. You know, I think there's a couple things to that. So, you know, going, I want to go back a little bit. When I started my company, it was just me. And it was a, I was I was a carpentry company, and I grew into a remodeling company. And then I started hiring people and then I became a larger uh, remodeling company to the point where we were up, up to over 20 people. Now we're down back to like around 15. And, you know, in the, in those courses of time, I've realized that, you know, we were, we were going after something bigger and I've always wanted to build ground up new construction, custom homes, work, work with really high, uh, high level architects. And that's where the social media side of my business came into to play. But to speak to your question about profitability and how to how do you manage it all, you know, our industry, home building, remodeling, you know, is notorious for poor communication, like absolutely notorious for it. And, you know, and and we were we were definitely someone that fell into that 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 explanation of, you know, poor, you know, we poorly communicated. but. I realized how important it was and we were, we would, we would run tests like where we would over communicate on projects or we would communicate a particular way and realize that we're set, like this project's going better than the other ones. Look, look, you know, because we're communicating. So really communication and setting expectations has been something that we're constantly refining. You know, I can think of projects that we're actively working on right now that, you know, well, what are the issues? Well, the issues are X, Y, Z. And well, those, all of those stem back to the fact that we didn't set an expectation at the beginning of the job. We just went for it. My parents just had like an awful experience with one of their. And don't you hate like that's And I hate that. And, you know, and what's crazy to think, right? Like if you went to a restaurant and got food poisoning, like people would know about it. Like, don't go to that restaurant or you go on Yelp and be like, absolute no way yeah but builders it's like you you're so they drain the absolute like the process drains you to the point where like that bad experience unless it went into some sort of legal battle 
they're pro- your parents are probably just going to let it go. Like, I'm just, I'm just glad to be back in my house or I'm glad that the project is over. There's no like follow-up to like, Hey, just an, a warning guys. Like this guy didn't deliver on time. Like there, there's just no follow-up because it's such a draining process. Yeah. And it, and it drives me nuts because for me and for guys out there that really do want to do a good job and, or are trying to grow, we're competing against that. And I feel like there's such a low bar in a lot of like, I I know when they talk about it, like they're always, you know, friends, you always ask for like referrals from friends and like everyone seems to have like some sort of bad experience. So like nobody (laughs) wants to refer. And so it's like this and then it just kind of, yeah, I could see how that would be a real problem for you because you're like, no, like this is we actually care about our quality of work and it's a different story. So can you just really quickly, I was just thinking if you could back up and just tell like the average person exactly what you do in case they're unfamiliar with the construction industry. Yeah. So own a company called NS builders in Boston, Massachusetts, and we build and renovate homes. We are a team of project managers, superintendents, carpenters, and we also own our own cabinet shop. So cabinetry, millwork, woodworking, all that we fabricate in-house. Yeah. Um, So we over, you know, we oversee projects from the very beginning to the completion, you know, a couple of things that make us different, you know, and there's plenty of builders out there that do it, but not a lot do take the time to get involved early. So when, you know, the home is in design or you have an architect on board, we're getting involved in that process and we're doing what we call feasibility studies, pricing studies. So as the design is unfolding, we're also pricing and making sure that this project is doable. It's feasible. We can build it for the budget. And we're part of that process, you know, because I think one of the broken aspects of this industry is that oftentimes you get a design, an architect does all the work and then sends it out to quote unquote bid. And then the contractors come back and they're all, you know, over budget. But the fact of the matter is that the arc, you know, maybe the architect communicated that they thought it'd be a particular budget or there was no discussion of budget. And now we're getting feedback. So you're now the client, say your parents are in this position where it's, okay, well, we just spent all this money with the architect to design our dream. And now we're being told it's double the money. So the person that looks, the the, the person that looks bad in that scenario is the builder because they're delivering the bad news where it's like, well, we didn't design the house. Right. Like you you need realistic expectations going in. Yeah. We want, we get involved early on where it's no, no, no. Before you start designing, get us on board so we can work in parallel with that architect. So as they're designing, if they start veering off course, you know, we can, you know, pull them back, pull them back and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. listen, like you're, you're going in a direction that's going to be over budget. And maybe we explore that because they're, they're open to it, but you know, we still need to figure out like, let's stay on, but stay on budget, stay on target. And then further than that is like, you know, again, going back to like, just wanting to be done with the project and get rid of the builder, you know, we're looking to build a relationship. We're going to, we want to build this home. We want you to deliver it. We want you to be happy with it, but then we want to help, help maintain it. You know, we want to be, we want to be checking in on that house every month, every couple months, you know, so you're there every step of the way every step of the way. And then really like to, to continue to maintain it. It's not, we're not looking to, you know, finish a project and, and be done with it. You know, this is something that we've poured a lot of uh, effort into and we want, we want the home to look as beautiful day 300 as it did day one. 
because you're there every step of the way, you want to be there from beginning to end. You want to maintain, like you sound like you're very into your, your clients, your customers, making sure they're happy the whole way through. So does that mean you have to kind of limit your clientele or like how many clients would you say you have at any given point? And that allows you to be that hands-on and be that attentive. As we've grown, we've reduced the amount of projects we do every year. So we basically are, are growing the scale of our projects and the quantity down. Oh, so we're doing larger projects, but fewer of them. But, you know, it's it's interesting because we've always been in a, in growth. We've always been growing. Uh, we've never really stopped and just done, you know, something for more than a year where it's, you know, we're either growing or trying to grow or taking on different projects or different scale or larger projects, et cetera, et cetera. With, with that being said, it's, you know, we want to work for, yes, a particular clientele that is, is looking for to work, you know, that value is what we do. We're, you know, in, in some ways I've been, you know, known to say that we're unapologetically expensive where, you know, we're not going to be the fastest. We're, we're going to take our time, but what you're going to get is, you know, uncompromised communication and quality put into the project, you know, we'll, craftsmanship, craftsmanship. It's, you know, at, at the end of the day, we are not going to sacrifice anything to put a lesser quality into it. So yes, the clientele has to understand that and align with our values. So, but we also, you know, the same thing is like, I need to be training my team to grow as quickly as we are, grow as quickly as these clients are changing and and becoming more, you know, whether it's wealthy or more well, well versed in what we're doing or more involved, my team has to continue to evolve for that. So, you know, while my role remains, you know, always, I'm always connected to the process and to the client, you know, I have to actively focus on business development and not so much the day to day. And, and in order for me to do that, I need to, you know, train my team and get my team to deliver the things that I'm promising in that initial meeting. Now, I've seen some of the homes you build. They're beautiful, luxury homes in very high-end communities around Boston. How did you get there? Like, was that your intended market from the beginning? Did you kind of just fall into that segment? How did you get that market? I think, you know, there's a couple of things here. Number one, you know, like I said, I started the company as you know, a a carpentry company, I was was strictly doing carpentry projects, you know, as far as getting into the more affluent areas, I think it really just came down to the way we marketed or the way I marketed at the time, you know, and and showcasing what quality work looked like. Um, You know, I was fortunate to when I had left my job with the developer, the architect on that job was buying a house that he wanted to do a complete renovation on, and gave me the job. And you know, said, you know, I wanted, I want you to renovate my whole house. And it was me with my subcontractors. And we were there, you know, I was there every single day renovating this house. And pro- I'm not sure how far along I was into that project when I started documenting it, like Instagram started really becoming a thing. And I think it was like, I, I forget it was 2014 or 15 that I, I got on there, but I started documenting what I was doing and, and just talking about what, you know, whatever, I don't know, like maybe, Hey, I bought a new tool and it's, you know, and it's going to make me cut better. Or like, I would just start talking. You were like an original Instagram influencer. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I didn't write that in my, uh, my biography, but 
but there's a good chance. The Instagram thing was interesting because it started with my wife kind of just saying, Hey, you should join Instagram. And it, I think it was at the time I was like doing it for, Oh yeah. I was doing it actually before I left uh, my, my prior, my previous job. It wasn't, if it, I didn't do it for business right away. That's what it was. Um, but I remember specifically, I remember what job I was working on. I was building this deck for a client in a, in a nice neighborhood and I posted a photo of it and I posted about this, this complex um, curve I did and which was actually, I say complex, but it was actually rather easy. Um, but I think I played it out as it was super complex on Instagram and someone reached out and was like, Hey, I've been following you. And I love the fact that you use all these quality tools and it looks like you do really nice work. Would you want to come and look at a job for me? It was okay. like immediate light bulb. I was like, wait a second. This is mar- this is this is what marketing is. And you know, I, that job didn't end up going anywhere, but then that's when I started realizing that there's an opportunity here for me to capitalize on this. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm, I have an obsessive personality where if I see something that works or if I find something that I like, then I just I'm, I'm obsessed with it. You're all and, in. Uh, all in. And so it was probably similar time to when I started researching marketing and Instagram and social media. And then I came across, across, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, you like that guy's so high energy. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pay attention to what this guy's doing. And we bought it. My, my wife and I bought a house and I decided that I want to, uh, create a show around it. And I wanted to film the whole process. And we started doing that. Um, and we kind of tailed off my, we ended up finding my, my wife was pregnant. It became a very stressful renovation and we said, screw it, let's just get the house done and move in and we'll, we'll do something later. But through that, I started realizing like the power of promoting through social media and, and it was doing, the social media was doing a couple things for me. It was, I was promoting and getting, you know, I was attracting not only clients, but also, also attracting employees because they were like, Hey, I like what you're doing. I want to be part of that but it was also giving me inspiration and, you know, forcing me to be put out better and better, better and better work, not just content, but better and better work. Because if I was going to photograph something, and I was going to post it, people are going to, you know, chew it apart. Um, so that's really, it really drove me to do a better job and, and made sure I was paying attention to it, which was great. So with that being said, that that's when I started reinvesting like the profit of each project. And I always said, like, if I did a hundred thousand dollar project and maybe I was going to make $20,000 on it, you know, while it wasn't a straight formula, I was, you know, more cowboy. It was, I'd take every dollar that I was going to make on that project and dump it back into it. So I could then promote it as a $140,000 project and kind of rinse and repeat. So I was climbing this ladder of, you know, taking lesser dollar value projects and making them appear as though they were higher dollar by doing them for less money and then, you know, compounding on, on that. And, and really just delivering what I said I was going to deliver, connecting with architects that, you know, could get me different, uh, different projects or, or higher value projects. And, you know, just being, having the opportunity to kind of work in certain towns by, and, and then promoting that I was there. Like, hey, I've, you know, I've arrived to this area. This is the project I'm working on. Follow along and we're going to, I'm going to walk you through start to finish. How did you grow your, because building and social media, I don't know, typically in my eyes, at least don't go hand in hand, but you have like 42,000 YouTube subscribers. You have 133,000 Instagram followers. Like, how did you grow it 
were you just putting out great content? Like, was that, did you mean to grow it the way you grew it or did it just happen that way? I, I definitely meant to grow it because again, it's like an obsessive thing where it's like, if I see something working, I want to, I want to go all in. I, I, I disagree with you in the sense that building and social media don't really go hand in hand because building in social media, they're both very, very visual. Mm-hmm. And like, especially from Instagram's perspective, right? Where like the podcast was a little bit far uh, farther reach, but that came later later on. And we realized that there was this hole in our industry for people to have basically a therapist to talk to is what we, we looked at it as. So Instagram was this wildly visual platform and we could promote our work. With, and if it's beautiful, people are going to like it. So when I started seeing the growth, I really started paying attention to, well, and, and, and not to the point where I'm like looking at like the algorithm or like how to beat it. Like, like, you know, people were buying followers and I'm like, I just, I don't want to do any of that. Like none of those people are going to end up as clients. Like I'm not, I'm not going to buy people. I want, I want to ra- actually engage with people. And I really do. I paid attention to what Vaynerchuk was saying is as far as consistent and being and engaging with people. So, you know, in my biggest periods of growth, it was because I was being consistent, you know, and for me, I post every single day. So there's thousands of of posts on my page, but every single day I I post on Instagram and there's definitely times I don't, but the the model is that every single day I post and there was consistency. Yeah. And there was points in time where I was posting twice a day and you could see the the change. It was, you know, the, the wild amount of growth. But I realized the most important thing was that I was engaging with people and becoming, you know, a thought leader and someone that people could look up to and ask questions and, you know, and really just, you know, look at it as, you know, this is what I want to set as my standard. And I remember early on, you know, it was a big reason why I branded my company and spent all this time, like, creating a really simplified brand and something that was visually, uh, you know, visually interesting because I wanted it to be bigger than who I was. I wanted it to be, you know, the Kleenex of tissues. Like, Hey, I want to NS yeah. builder. I want to NS builders home. Right. And so that's, two things. Do you yeah. feel like, wait, can I just say one thing? I just, I meant they don't go hand in hand. Like you don't think of a builder as like an influencer like an I, influencer. Get, I get why, yeah, yeah i get i get what you're saying yeah he's he's being a thought leader though aj he's got to he's got to correct us in that <laughs> two things do you feel like people now come to your your other construction companies come to you as like oh how do i grow up my social media because you did such a good yeah. job and then also do you think that it's i mean it's not a think thing. It, it is, or it doesn't. Do you still feel like it, it contributes a lot to the new business and the new clients that you get? Is it like the number one way you get new business now? Uh, yes to both of those. So, you know, people always reach out about like, Hey, how do I grow? What, what can I do? I want to, you know, I want to have more followers and it, you know, it, it like, yeah, it sounds cool to have 133,000 followers, but at the end of the day, it's like, if, I'm not getting any work out of that or any benefit from that, then it's just a number, right? I see a benefit from it because I'm engaging with people. I'm getting to talk to some, my, like our podcast, I've now interviewed 173 builders for three hours around the whole country. It's like, that's wow. a lot. That, like how many people get to say that I've talked to 173 builders about the way they run their business? That's amazing. So, so it's, you know, and it's only recently that someone actually said that back to me. And I realized like the advantage I have there, 
I've, I've been able to shape my company by talking to other people that have failed and succeeded at things. Right. So, it's a learning process too. Right. Like the, the, this podcast for you guys is just as much for you as it is for me. This is an opportunity. Like when I sit down and talk, totally. it's, I'm, I'm, I want guests on my, on our podcast that I can learn from, or I can figure out how they do something that's, you know, listen, it's great to share that with the, the people that listen, but I'm, I'm asking these questions for me. Right. Like, I, like we want to know. know. Yeah. I yeah. Need, like, I want to know, like, what's, the, what's, what's your secret, but you know, the, from the business side, absolutely. And, you know, I think of it as like, if you want to think of it as a sales funnel, the, the funnel for, you know, someone building a home is really long and it's really wide at the top. A lot of people jump in, they're either reading magazines or on social media, or like that process to get from like, when you're introduced to me to actually building a house could be years. And because people aren't building, like, I'm not, you're not buying a t-shirt, you know, it's not like you're right. buying a t- like you, you see a t-shirt on Instagram and then by the 10th time you're like, fine cuts, I'll buy a t-shirt. Like <laughs> right. it's the, you know, everyone at Google wears it. Okay. But it's a home. It's, you know, it's a longer process. So for me, you know, that's people ask that all the time. It's like, well, what's the ROI? Like, how do you know I, I hire, I have a full-time videographer now that strictly just videos everything we do. That's a big investment. I spend yeah, an wow. enormous amount of time on social media. I, you know, we're creating hundreds of pieces of content a, a week. So there's a lot of pieces. There's a lot of things here that you know, if you can't relate that back to new business, why, why would you spend the time doing it? Right. So recently, you know, I, we, we had, we didn't mess something up, but we did something on a project where I looked at it and I said, I feel like we could do that better. Can we talk about this? We talked about it. The team agreed like, yeah, we, next time we do this, let's, let's do it this way. Cause it would be a better result. I said, forget next time. Let's do it now. Let's take these cabinets mm-hmm. out. Let's build them again and do it. And we do that because we wanted a better product. And I, and, and I'm also like, yeah, let's share that. Let's document the fact that, Hey, we weren't happy with it. We're going to go ahead and replace these. That's hard because I'm making guys that have done a really great job, rip out their own work and we're redoing it. So it's sometimes tough where it's like this, you know, all I'm doing is re, like ripping stuff out and redoing it. It's like, it's just not, it's not great for the morale, but that particular, one of those particular videos gave us the opportunity where a client set went from I'm going to interview a couple builders and then I'm going to decide who I want to work with to hey I saw your video the other day I love the fact that you guys like care nothing about I mean nothing more than doing the very best like you guys are delivering on the very best and I don't even want to interview other builders if you guys have the the bandwidth I want you to build my house wow it's great marketing like you said right and it's like that and so I share that with the team like this is why we do this this is why we share this transparent approach. This is why we choose to put ourselves in the in the spotlight and we talk about our right. process. You know, it's if we're not going to do it, someone else is. And the moment someone else does and, and we're we're obsolete. Mm-hmm. I have a quick question. You mentioned earlier that you were posting and you still you post every single day. Now, something that I have trouble with, and I think Caitlin, sometimes we talk about this, is when we post and people don't like. I know we, we say we're not driven by likes, but it can be, it can feel like crap. You know what I mean? So yeah. how did you get through that from the beginning, like posting and not getting as much engagement as you do now? 
I'm going to say the, the obvious answer. You're paying too much attention to it. I mean, and I'm being, I'm just being frank with that where it's, you know, I could probably go back and look at the last seven posts I've done. And I'm sure some of them sucked where it's like, there's times where, you know, we had a post last year that I remember it got like, it had like 15,000 likes on it. That's like, like that's stupid numbers for me where it's like, wow. and, then I, and then maybe a week later I put, and it was like 200. So it's all over the place. And it, you know, yeah, you can sit there and try to cater. It's like, all right, what did they like about that video? And what didn't they like about this photo? It's like, well, video does better than photo. And within video, you need the first like 0.2 seconds to be interesting or make them question what they're watching. It's like you can go through all of that, but the, the, the one with the 200, who cares if it, you know, if it gets one, if it gets one interesting podcast guest for you guys, then, you know, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. And the fact is like, you know, as long as you're consistent, that's what matters. And also it could just be the algorithm oh. didn't put your post out there that day. Like it right. could even be And it's be like, you're, and what, you're going to spend, things. you're going to spend a week trying to figure out how to break that. Right. Just move on. Just, just mm. tomorrow you, you wake up, you post something else. And yeah. if it's consistent, it's consistently not working, maybe the content's not good. And yeah. then it's like, well, what am I, what am I posting? But it has to be true. Like, it's not going to be good if you're not being true to who you are. Right. And it's like, be well, authentic what you, with it. Yeah. Or what you stand for. It's like, it really needs to, you know, for me, it's like, all right, if I want to work with really great architects, I need to be talking about the issues that they, de they deal with, with builders. So I'm going to make sure that when we're, when I'm posting something, it's with that message. It's like, Hey, Mr. Architect, this is the type of builder we are. Like, right. just hear me out. Like, cause I know that the guy that you're sitting at a table with right now, trying to build this, another house, you're struggling with this. It's like, I, I'm telling you right now, you won't struggle with that because we, this is right. what we believe in. You know, their challenges, you know, the problems. Yeah. So taking kind of a left turn here, when you're, when you were building your team the first time, like mm -hmm. build, you know, what I guess did you look for in your employees and your colleagues? Are there certain qualities you're, you're always aware of or, or what advice do you have for, I guess, building a strong team? One thing that I was told later and I, I always struggled with was the, the whole hire slow and fire fast mentality. And because I always, I'm, I'm definitely the type of person that gives people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but building a business, I, I came to realize that, you know, I can't do that because uh, there's been times in my career that I have definitely given people the benefit of the doubt for longer than I should have that have, you know, put myself and my family in financial risk mm -hmm. and, and not to the point where it was detrimental, but it was to the point where I was essentially robbing from my family to continue to pay for pay someone that wasn't producing. Meaning wow. like they weren't, they weren't making us money. They were costing us money. That's a great way to think about it. And yeah. it was, well, it, it wasn't a great feeling at the time when I realized it, because I, I was sitting at my kitchen table and I looked at my wife and I was like, I'm stealing from us to keep this person employed. And it was really tough. And I, you know, and it got to a point where I realized that I was grown. We were growing so quickly that we were hiring out of necessity. And, you know, in the hires that we made, while they could produce at a mediocre level, I, I wasn't, I didn't have the, the processes in place to get them to function at a higher level where I needed them to. So I needed to make a, I need to make the decision that, you know, I'm not doing this for anyone else anymore. 
I've put my entire, I put everything I have on the line. I've risked, I've risked everything that I've had to build this business. And I want to wake up and I want to work with people that I enjoy. And I want to work with people that believe in the same things I believe in and that are willing to, to, to bust ass and, and get work done. Yeah, and, totally. and it, you know, and that was, that was a hard realization, but it was something that I needed to, I needed to drive in my head over and over. And it, you know, even to this day, it's, you know, each person I, I look at differently. I'm like, all right, are they truly here for the right reason? Or can I get them to be here for the right reason? So, you know, we just made two really big hires and one of them I interviewed for a year. Wow. And, yeah. And I was, and was like, I'm this is going to be a slow process. And the, and, the, and it worked like he wasn't in a position where he was looking to make a move right away anyway. So it worked. So I was like, I'm gonna, let's just go through this slowly. The other one, a couple months. And it was, you know, and they, they met the criteria that of people that I feel as though are doing this for the right reason. Love so that. you would say it's you're, you're driven to find people based on their, I guess, matching with your like passion for the work or quality yeah. of work. Okay. So that's yeah, like I mean, the, the biggest thing you look for. Yeah. The technical side is important, but the technical side is easier to teach than getting them to believe in the vision yeah. or be, or being really, really passionate about, you know, what the, the big picture of the company is like, they can be really yeah. passionate carpenters, but if they're not passionate about what the, the, the company is, you know, striving to be, then I can't get you there. Right. No, that's a great, that's yeah, a great piece of that. advice. What advice do you have for young entrepreneurs who are just starting out? Find a mentor. Absolutely. Like definitely. Like, and that doesn't have to be a professional mentor. Just find someone that you look up to and, you know, and don't, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to take risks and, you know, and always, always, always be true to what you believe in and, and do your, you know, and do your best work. I think that, you know, it's, that's undervalued a lot of times where it's, you know, it's, everything is so disposable and it's about speed and how fast you can do something where in the reality, in my opinion, if you just slow down and, you know, I'm not do it I'm, well, yeah, yeah, do it well. Like, yes, maybe it's going to be a, a more difficult climb up this hill, but it will be way more rewarding in the end. That's a great point. Yeah. I feel like our society is so focused on the cheap, the speedy, the, you know, just get it done. So when you say mentors, do you, who's your mentor? How did you find your mentor? How much did that help you in the beginning? I've had multiple mentors and it's been everything from professional business coaches uh, to just other uh, leaders in the industry, um, other builders that I've looked up to, you know, people that are in different industries and just talking about, you know, business in general and how people have ran their business. I've just never been afraid to ask. So if I look at someone, if I look at someone's business and say, man, I like the way you're doing that. I'm going to reach out. I just reached out to someone this morning, like, cause I've been talking about this bigger picture for the company and this company that I found does what I want to do. I'm like, Hey, I love what you built. I, can I pick your brain for 10 minutes on the phone? Maybe, and maybe I'll pay for that. Maybe he'll do it for free, but it's, it's in my opinion, it's worth, worth it because they can, they can help you they can help you through some of those challenges that, that you oftentimes face when you're going in at it alone. And that's another thing is that despite you're going to hit points in your, 
in your career that you truly feel like you're alone, but you're not. And that's really why we started our podcast because guys were struggling, you know, in our industry to, to make headway. And we realized that, you know, we need to talk about this because I've been there. I've been there recently where it's like, I feel like I'm the only one dealing with this issue, but the fact of the matter is I'm not. And the more we work together and we band together, the faster we can progress as an, as a industry. Yeah. yeah. And that's so important for entrepreneurs because it can be a really lonely world and you have mm-hmm. to just remember that there are people like, don't try and figure out everything by yourself because no. someone's been through it and someone, everyone is trying, everyone is constantly reinventing the wheel. Absolutely. It's like, why is everyone doing this for the first time? Like, what It's a waste of time. Yeah. yeah. All right, Nick, a question we ask all of our guests. Do you think entrepreneurs are born? Or can they be created? Are they? I think entrepreneurs is such a general term. I don't know if I believe in the fact that they are born. I do think that they can be created later. Um, I, I think really everyone has this underlying desire to do something, and whether that attributes to their income or what they do as a, you know in in their professional life or their career. I think that we're all, we all deep down have something that we want to be doing and the lucky few that figure out how to do that and make money have just been lumped into this entrepreneur definition. Okay. So you think they can be bred like born or bred? I I, I think so. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, I have so many more questions, but unfortunately, we got to keep to our we got to keep to our time here. Um, totally. But thank you so much. So, how can people find you? Instagram at NS Builders. Uh, you can find them, uh, find us on YouTube as well. The podcast is the Modern Craftsman Podcast, as well as the NS Builders Podcast uh, or NSBuilders.com. And you right. heard it here. He creates some great quality content. So check it out. Check it out. Yeah. Appreciate thanks, it, guys. Nate. This yeah, is so fun. On. Yeah. Thank you so much. Of so course. interesting. That was awesome. Such a great conversation. We could have oh, been on there gosh. for hours more. Oh yeah. We should have a follow-up with him. I have yeah. like all these questions. I hope he comes back. <laughs> so great. <laughs> you might not come back. You never know. He's going to be like, no, thank He's like, you. I was just not. <laughs> Been there, done that. Folks. All right, folks. See you in two weeks. Thank you see for ya. joining. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.